once again, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Drunk Friend Podcast. As always, we're your host. I'm Travis. That's Alex. We do YouTube stuff. We like old video games. We like talking to one another, I think. Um, at least I like talking to you, Alex. I don't know if it goes both ways. But... Oh, I go both ways. Oh, I mean, oh. it goes both ways. That's, Interesting. That's what I meant. Yeah, Interesting. That's what, I, that's, wow. that's what I meant there. Sorry about that. Sorry about the mix up there. Freudian slip. <laughs> Big headline in this episode just happened. <laughs> But no, uh, how's it going? I mean, just in general, how are you? I mean, it rained there today. That's good, right? Rained in the desert. That's that's rare. Yeah, it is rare. Um, and, you know, usually when it rains here, it rains for about three minutes and 30 seconds. And uh, then it's gone and it doesn't rain again for about three months. But, oh, um, yeah, this time uh, it actually rained. Uh, we got a good steady downpour last night that lasted about... Boy, I want to see like 30, 40 minutes or something. My yard wow. is very my yard is very happy. And uh yeah, we're it's good smells here. Um it always smells weird when it rains here because it uh kicks up all the topsoil. I, I think it breaks up like the bacteria that lives on the topsoil and it makes it smell all goofy. It's it's not a Minnesota thing. Okay. So I, I might I might be alienating some of my hometown. <laughs> folks if there well, are anybody listening because i i might be talking gibberish i but, think once um, people hear that this is starting to sound like an hd tv episode they might oh have... we're old <laughs> isn't this is an old guy corner we can't talk about gardens and tomatoes and you know you're, when it rains here in virginia it rains for about three days and 30 minutes so oh my goodness it's long oh my goodness. long rains out here it's always swampy and wet that's right we say swampy so, uh, yeah, and we can also we can talk about tomatoes. We haven't done that in a while. But uh, let me ask you this: Do you you're out there in the desert? You get rains sometimes. Um, do you have do you get to grow your own vegetables, plants? I mean, you just have to stay on that shit and water it all the time. Like, how's it going out there for that? Oh yeah, we. I, I mean, we haven't tried yet. We do have a garden in our yard that um, our nie- uh, my girlfriend's niece thought was a graveyard. So, um, it's like a fenced off area that's all dirt and it has these like separate plots and it does look like a cemetery, which is, so that's what we think of it and how we think of it now. We're both kind of black thumbs. So we're, you know, we're going to put, we're going to label all our vegetables with little tombstones, uh, because you know, they're all going to die eventually because we're the ones growing them. But, uh, that's how it goes. Yeah, that's how it goes. We're, uh, we would like to start with some easy stuff like cilantro, uh, maybe eventually get to tomatoes. I think tomatoes are pretty hard to grow, aren't they? Not here, but... Mm. Yeah, you know. I guess you just got to dump them with water like twice a day or something like that. Yeah. I will say, I did discover, you know, we had this like nice little tree in our, mm-hmm. in our, uh, in our backyard. It's the only tree we have on our property. And it bloomed, I think I want to say it was like pink blooms earlier and now it's starting to grow uh what looks like fruit so we googled it and we have a peach tree oh wow nice yeah we were like we were like score i was not expecting that and this is funny because the place where we used to live where we rented uh had a cherry tree we had cherry pie she's my cherry pie so nailed so good it. sweet cherry pie Oh, I'm gonna yeah. be eating some sweet, sweet peach cobbler. I don't know if any hair bands made any songs about that, but uh, <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe Winger's got like a B side or something about some peach 
you know. I don't know. I mean, stuff. you might not know the words to She's My Cherry Pie. I'm just throwing that out there. You might not know the words. Welcome to the HGTV podcast. A lot of you are thinking, <laughs> I thought these guys talked about video games, and we used to. But now it's just what we grow in dirt, and I um, hope you like it. No, I didn't release a video uh, this week. I meant the to. The hell? What I meant the hell? to. This is this is the first time this has ever happened in two plus years. I do skip weeks on occasion, usually before a bigger compilation video, and I always set it up the night before because, you know, I don't know if you have to deal with this. You, I don't know, but uh, or at least the way I do it, I have it on uh, Patreon, and I can't not. I have to like remove it from Patreon to mm-hmm. make it to schedule it. Is, am I doing it wrong? You can't. No, schedule that's what it. I do. I, I yeah. leave it as unlisted. Right. And then, but, um, yeah. Then, the, but once you flip it from unlisted to scheduled, then it's not. You know, right. People on Patreon can't see it anymore. So I always wait till the night before to flip that switch. Mm-hmm. And I forgot. And not only did I forget, I forgot to put the fucking thing on Patreon at all two days ago. <laughs> Whoops. I completely whiffed. I've been so busy with work, I forgot I had a YouTube channel. So yeah. I'll wait till next week. Yeah, yeah. I saw your calendar. I, I was like, oh, hey, here's my day. <laughs> We're both getting our asses kicked. That's not yeah. fun. Yeah, that's why we sound all tired and weary today, but uh, that's all right. We have a fun guest coming up later, but you you did a pretty fun video. At least I thought it was a good idea anyway. I mean, it seems fun. Yeah, yeah. Just Just one of those thought experiment type things, like what Super Nintendo games, and it's always got to be Super Nintendo because... That's my thing, man. But um, <laughs> what uh, games would lend themselves the best to the 99 multiplayer thing the Switch has going on? Because right mm-hmm. now they've got Tetris 99, Pac-Man 99. What if they did like Contra, Contra 3 99, where you're, you're able to like shoot a, a bunch of enemies in a row without getting, you know, without getting hit or anything like that? And you, that enables you to throw more enemies in the way of other people mm-hmm. yeah and then eventually you can build up to like a, a boss or, or a mini boss or something like that um my favorite one the the stupidest one i came up with was for nhl 96 because that <laughs> has the um practice mode where you can play one on five so it's literally just like the scent you know if you pick philadelphia you pick eric lindros basically and it, you play against like the Quebec Nordiques or something, and it's all five of those guys ex- against your one guy. It's it's really entertaining to me anyway because it's fun to try and score on f- on five guys. You can do it on score. Try and score. <laughs> yeah. Try and score him. Score. Uh, no way. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and with the point being, like, if you get a shot off uh, or if you if you score a goal, that spawns another goalie in front of your opponent, you know, like playing the, you know, they're playing their version of one on five and suddenly they've got like three goalies they got to deal with or something like that. And I don't know. It's, I, I like coming up with weird stuff like that. It's fun. I mean, that does sound like a Nintendo take on hockey. You know, like how they, Nintendo will take a sports, Nintendo will take a sports and then they will, they will <laughs> take that sports and fill and it full sport, of, they'll sport the hell out of that sport. <laughs> yeah. They'll fill it full of Nintendo characters, remove all of the original rules from said sports, replace them with made-up bullshit rules, and make it w- a way more fun sport than exists on Earth. I think that's kind of the road you were going down. You were you were in a Nintendo think tank there, and you're like, how do we make hockey weird? And yeah, I think you did a good job. 
Yeah, well, thank you. Um, I, the what one thing uh, I didn't do though was create uh, certain players like named you know Super Macho Man or anything like that, or mm. you know uh, you know have a have a defenseman named uh, Sticks Coldfoot. Yeah, yeah, Sticks Coldfoot. <laughs> <laughs> or a uh, yeah, yeah, or Glass Joe as as your uh, as your head coach or something. There you but, go. But yeah, it's it's uh. Just some some fun ideas I like coming up with. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, I can tell you have fun coming up with the ideas. So uh, looking forward to more of those. And um, yeah, so just one video this week? Yeah, I'm not doing anything tomorrow. I, I think I'm just going to do one video a, a week for a little while. Hey, there you go, buddy. Good job. There you go. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to forget. Uh, <laughs> don't don't my... forget you have a YouTube channel. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But um, yeah, no, I'm just I'm just cruising with one per week for a while. All right. Well, we have a couple emails here and there's sort of I mean, I don't think I don't think our emailers here talked this over before they submitted them, but they submitted these emails. Let me see here. One submitted it on uh see email 30th. Yeah. It was actually they came in on the same day and they're both about the same topic. And I think that's strange. So, do you want to go ahead and take the first one here? Yeah. Well, first one's here uh from Josh Lopez. He says, "What up, guys? What up? With this new with this new Mortal Kombat movie out and the animated Mario movie on the horizon, are there any games that you want to see made into movies? I don't particularly think any video game movies have been good so far. What? But let's pretend your answers are the exceptions. Okay. <laughs> so uh, yeah. this guy does not like the original Mortal Kombat movie from the 90s, which great, is great, great movie. Pr- pretty enjoyable. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Um, is it gonna, you know, is it gonna win awards? No, no, but it's fun in that campy, you know, Arnold Sly kind of a way. It's, it's, it's way better than the sequel, which is funny or which is a fun movie because it is bad. So it, there's a good, yeah. good movie. And then there's a, a good, bad movie in the same franchise. Plus James Remar is the only one trying to act in that second movie and hats off, hats off to him for, for the effort. <laughs> but, Hell of uh, a job. I, I want to. I do want to say I, I watched this new Mortal Kombat movie, and it is good. It is a really hmm. good movie. It is so hmm. good. Yes. I have not seen it. I'm. I, I. I don't usually see a whole lot of movies. I'll see like two a year. Dude, same. Like that. I but, made an uh, exception for this because I have. Um, I steal HBO Max from one of our friends in the Discord, and uh, it's free to me. I had a I had an extra two hours there. I settled in, watched my first movie made after 2017, probably. <laughs> And uh, worth it. I would I would highly recommend that one. Fun. Um, I didn't I didn't even know there was an animated Mario movie coming out, which is how out of touch I am. Yeah, no, I, I saw it, something on Twitter about it a long time ago, and whatever, you know. It's uh, by the yeah. way, I, I don't know if you remember reading in the book Console Wars what a freaking hilarious disaster the original Mario Brothers oh, yeah. movie was. <laughs> you got you got the actors getting smashed on set. You have like ten different rewrites. You have you have a whole bunch of different rec, uh, bunch of different writers and rewrites, and just yeah, it's it's pretty pretty entertaining how uh, they managed to even get that far with that movie. Yeah, that that actually but. reminds me. I'm going to go off topic here slightly. Um, the guy who wrote Console Wars, Blake J. Harris, he also mm-hmm. wrote. Um, I think I can't remember what it was called. The future of technology, or something like that. The future of something. It was about VR, or yeah, it was about uh, the Oculus and uh, Palmer Lucky. 
I bet he would be a good guest if we could get him because he's got he's got the movie coming. I mean, I don't know. He's probably too big for our for our britches, but um, what a cool guy because all that all that research that goes into that shit and how he wrote it all is as like an interesting. Yeah, he wrote it like a novel, mm-hmm. um, and you can tell he's like best buds with Tom Kalinske, who was the head of Sega back in the starting in ninety, I think, until uh up till around when the dreamcast came out i think but um yeah he's got connections we, the we, history we can of get the him. future yeah we can get him then we can get kalinsky and then we can get uh miyamoto oh on the same podcast and have, all on the same podcast yeah have them shout at each other in different languages that'd be great <laughs> uh, but anyway back to this so um uh any any video games that i want to see made into movies you know i don't want it now uh, and this is actually funny because I'm, I'm about to squash the next emailer's uh, question ahead of time. But I used to always want a Legend of Zelda movie because I, I lo- that was my favorite game growing up. And Mario got a shitty movie and all these other things were getting movies and, and things and cartoons. And uh, there was the Zelda cartoon. It was awkward. But <laughs> I always really wanted a movie. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, I don't know if I really want it because we got a silent protagonist here. I don't know. It, it could break it a little bit for me maybe at this point. I don't know. It's kind of played out. What kind of story are you going to write? Is he just going to save yeah. the princess again? Yeah, we got it. You know, um, maybe make a movie based on Zelda and make her lead the film. That could be interesting. But I used I used to really want a Zelda movie growing up. Pined for it, begged for it. But now I'm like, meh. Yeah, you're right with the silent protagonist. I don't know wh- how you're going to do that, but um, for me, it would probably be Shadowrun, just because that those mm. games all look really cool. Um, I think you could do like a a Ridley Scott style movie with with lots of like cool cyberpunk stuff and neon lighting and lots of darkness in the rain and people mumbling their lines you know <laughs> very serious and stuff like that but um yeah that would be a fun movie i think and then on the opposite end of the spectrum let's have a tetris movie let's see how that works let's let's try it out wait didn't they wasn't that going to be a thing i mean the the story of the game tetris yeah but i'm talking about it's it's we're, we're going to get owen wilson to play the long block we're going to get uh, Jack Black mm. to play the the square block. Of course, a good then, a good cast, good casting on that Jack Black. And then the other we I think we can get Jeff Goldblum as one of the the crooked pieces. <laughs> yeah, what, just, it's just his chest from yeah. uh, Jurassic Park. <laughs> we need we need some gravitas on the cast. We need some uh, you know Shakespearean acting so we're going to have Kenneth Branagh be oh, wow. uh, another one of the cr- crooked pieces. And it's going to be directed by uh, Mick G. So, uh, yeah, the, the guy that did, like, Charlie's Angels and stuff like that. So it's going to be explosive. It's going to be dramatic. Yeah, and, I, uh, I didn't see that part coming, but yeah, okay. <laughs> Very, so it's more of a Tetris attack. <laughs> Kenneth Branagh and McGee. What do you think yeah. of that? I, I'm impressed. For a guy that said, I only watch, like, two movies a year, good pulls. Really good pulls. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess, you know, if I, if I thought about it, maybe some of these RPGs I like could be fun as movies, but I, I just don't know. I'm not, I'm not really good at that. I, I do like the Castlevania, um, Netflix series though. I think that's kind of fun. Maybe if they, if, if I had the option to make them more animated, I think I would have a lot of answers because I, I think Zelda could work as an animated side of, kind of anime thing. But if you make it, if you, if you make it a real, real person thing, it's going to be awkward. But again, I'm spoiling our next email. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and move on to that. This is from Paul. He says, hello. Hope you're both having a good time. 
I just had a fun thought go through my head. In the early 2000s, whenever the subject of a comic book movie came up online, people in the places I posted would fantasy cast the characters, and much like Alex just did with Tetris, and almost always one consensus would be a professional wrestler should get the part. I guess because they have the physique of superheroes. Sometimes we even got wrestlers in those roles, like Kevin Nash as Super Shredder or Batista as Drax. But that got me thinking. What if instead of a comic book movie, people fantasy cast wrestlers into a video game movie? We had Lou <laughs> Albano play uh, Mario, after all. Since you are both video game and wrestling fans, my challenge to you is to cast the theoretical Legend of Zelda movie with all professional wrestlers from whatever era you want. Best wishes, Paul. And honestly, thank you, Paul. That's pretty fun. So, hmm. I just said I didn't really want a live-action Legend of Zelda movie, but <laughs> if it did star all wrestlers, I think you could make Link Rey Mysterio, because he doesn't really talk, and I think that'd be perfect. That's true. Yeah, I was. I, uh, let's go in the opposite direction. Let's make this. Uh, let's have Link. Link be Ric Flair. Okay. Like nineteen eighty five four horseman Ric Flair. Yeah, just a lot of woo. Just a lot of that. Every time yeah, he goes yeah. up to a bush. Woo. And, then, and, then, <laughs> and then the villain Ganon would be played by his arch rival Dusty Rhodes. So that's that's one uh, direction you could go. If you want to go WWF, you could do. Uh, you could do Macho Man as as Link. You know, as kind of a psychotic link, and then uh, Miss Elizabeth <laughs> as Zelda, and then uh, Andre the Giant as as uh, as uh, Ganon. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I follow you. I really want Hacksaw Jim Duggan in here, and he's probably just a tree. <laughs> he's probably just oh, a okay. tree somewhere. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. The 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 two guys that are sawing the tree down in uh, Link to the Past, those guys are the Bushwhackers. Oh, that is really smart, actually. Yes. Yes. What are some other sites? There's the, uh, there's, uh, I can't, I'm trying to think of other characters in the, in the lore and suddenly I'm going blank, even though I've played um, most of the games. There's, I mean, just look at K- Kakariko Village. You've got like an old lady sweeping her, uh, sidewalk. That's probably Mae Young or Fabulous Moolah. Mm. Um, then you've got, uh, uh, the guards that are coming after you are all like jobbers. They're, they're like the guys that used to carry Macho King Savage to the ring. And they all look so defeated and hopeless. You know, they, they, they're still wearing their wrestling trunks for some reason while they're carrying them down. They're not just wearing, like, per- regular person clothes. They're wearing, like, wrestling tights. Jim Duggan, Hacksaw could be the Deku Tree. There you go. Deku Tree Hacksaw, yeah. yeah just every, get in his mouth. Every time he says, oh, you just get in his mouth. <laughs> that's not bad. We're doing all right. That's pretty... That's pretty good. I think we're doing all right. I can't think of any other characters, though. Uh, Let's see. Um, I guess there's Zora. Right. So someone who can swim. The Skull uh, Kid. That's uh, That could be uh, like Juventud Guerrero or something like that. Um, <laughs> or uh, I'm trying to think what that guy's name was. I can't remember. There's so many There's so many uh, luchador wrestlers, masked luchador wrestlers. Um, Chris Jericho's cr- definitely a Pona. Uh. <laughs> What about the crazy guy in that uh, carousel thing? Tingle? Yeah. Maybe is that, that should name? be... I, I don't know what his name is. I just the know little he green, looks... uh, green guy, he's got like... He's like a yeah. little elf. Maybe God, that, that should be... just creeps me out. Eddie Guerrero or something? I don't know. Yeah, Paul Bear or something, yeah. Paul Bear, yeah. Kane, Undertaker. You know, Undertaker would actually be a decent Ganon, I think. Oh, Undertaker would nail it. Like, if you're going serious, yeah, you got to go Undertaker. I like where you're going with Rey Mysterio, because then you got the whole size thing. 
mm-hmm. um, and all, along with the silent protagonist. But then who's Zelda? Zelda would probably be like, uh, hmm. I still, I you know, if you're going any era, it's got to be Miss Elizabeth because she's the first lady of wrestling, as Vince McMahon used to say. But uh, that's a good point. I mean, she and she, easy on the eyes. Let's be honest. Now, there, are, there are some. There, are, like, remember uh, Jacqueline? Oh, Jacqueline, yeah, and she would fight Sable. Yeah. That was like back in like the late nineties. Yeah. yeah, we could have Sable in there. Yeah, let's yeah, just yeah. let's just name wrestlers. That's, that's we are that's doing awesome. that. Actually, uh, yeah. Dale Wolf, uh, Brooklyn Brawler should be in the Zelda movie somehow. <laughs> oh, his, I got it. Zelda could be Luna Vachon. <laughs> she was great. She was. She really uh, played up her part. She was really uh, scary looking, and yeah. really, uh, really pissed off looking like all the time. I did Extremely not want to run talented. into her. Quite strong. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. No matter what, how how this gets cast, I, I want Brooklyn Brawler to be involved somehow. Um, maybe as like Link's uncle, and he's got like the the classic Brooklyn Brawler torn shirt and grubby jeans. I think I think that would work. That's a winning formula right there. I think so. He's just one of those old men in, in, that, that's hanging out in a cave, just ready to give some adventurer advice, and it's not good advice, right? He's like, <laughs> drink the green stagnant water. You're like, I don't know about that. I've always actually been told that's bad, but I think that'd be a good funny part in the movie. I don't know. I can't I'm trying to think of some other people and I'm falling I'm falling short here. Well, uh, we've we've named close to two hundred wrestlers and um I think we have a pretty good film. At least we have a nice list of go to folks to get an audition from for these roles. Barry Horowitz needs to be involved too. He so he can pat himself on the back when he when he uh, Google kills, kills a bad guy. He, he's the oh, guy that had the yeah. handprint on his back. He's great. He has um, maybe the best mullet of all time. <laughs> he's top five, yeah. 100%. He was, I don't say that lightly because I have a mullet. I'm in the club. But he was up there with Crush. Look at Crush's mullet. It was, it was pretty fantastic. That's a good point. I want you to check out because I Googled. I had to Google Barry. Um, Horowitz real quick here just to jog my memory and I'm going to send you the link to the article I clicked on what the fuck is with this picture at least now I want you to click the link because I want to see what would tell me what it looks like in your browser when you click on it is it just that man's Johnson for you (laughs) when you open that Rolling Stone link what the (laughs) it did it for you too right it's just like here's his penis here's Here's every That's just that's unfortunate like cropping. <laughs> briefs and a penis right there. Yep, there you go. <laughs> I know. And uh, the best right part of this is that the, the headline of the article is "Don't call me a jobber." <laughs> so uh, ye, I would say you can't even write this, but I guess you can. Barry Horowitz has beef with Action Bronson, and then it's just a picture of a man wearing very tight underwear, and you don't see any other part of him. So um, enjoy that, folks. Enjoy that. Uh, well, should we get it? I mean. <laughs> Speaking of nothing that we have said, we have a pretty good guest coming up. Yeah. He's pretty well known. If you if you were like me, and back in the day, you used to kill a lot of time on GameTrailers.com. There was the Pack Attack. He was in there talking about all the business-related industry news, stuff that you could barely understand. It's that fine print part of the newspaper your dad would read and get upset about, and you're like, what's wrong, Dad? And he's like, we don't have any money anymore because all the stocks are down. That's the stuff that Pack explains, and he explains very well was Pack Attack and what is now Pactor Factor. 
So stick around and get uh, get learned on some gaming industry business. And this guy knows people too, and he's good at what he does. Did you know that during her various tomb raids, Laura Croft often contracts the services of a perverted Sherpa named Greg? Did you know that Gordon Freeman actually does talk? And once you hear his voice, you'll realize why the Half-Life game developers refuse to write any lines for him. Video games aren't always great at telling compelling stories. That's where the podcast Tales of the Lesser Medium comes in. Each season, me and my co-host Travis, we drive you through gaming's most absurd narratives, picking up every rejected character and hitting every plot hole along the way. Search Tales of the Lesser Medium on your podcast app of choice and get ready to laugh at your favorite video games with me, Travis, Greg the Pervert, Annoying Gordon Freeman, Barry, the Resident Evil Gun Dumper, and so many more wacky characters. Tales of the Lesser Medium. It's funny. So, Pack, I know you're a busy man, so I, first of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us tonight. We really appreciate it. Of course. Pleasure. And to start, we want to make sure everyone understands what it is you actually do for a job. And because, oh. you know, even after following you for years, you know, I even read your Wikipedia in preparation for this, I'm still not really certain. But in short, I know you're an analyst for a private investment firm. What, what does that mean, really, and how does it tie into the gaming and gaming industry? Okay, I didn't write my Wikipedia page, which is probably why it's not particularly instructive. Um, <laughs> all right, so, so I'll give you a longer answer than you asked, but, but um, the, the stock market exists so people can invest in companies that they're interested in or that they want to make money from. And so a, a corporation that, that lists publicly will issue shares and investors can buy shares of the stock. And what drives the shares up or down, you, you invest in them because you want to make money. So what makes them go up is the companies earn more than you expect them to earn and the stocks go up. And it's just supply and demand. So if uh, if people think that you know Activision is going to earn a dollar a share and they earn a dollar 20, the stock could go up as much as 20%. Um, all right, so because there are over 12,000 publicly traded corporations in the U.S. Um, it's hard for any professional money manager, professional investor, to follow all of them. And because there are so many stocks, it's hard for individual investors to follow very many of them. So individual investors tend to put their money into investment pools, and they're either called mutual funds or hedge funds. Um, so you've heard of Fidelity, that's a mutual fund. And, and these guys advertise on TV all the time. And hedge funds don't. Hedge funds tend to be private and just rich people's investment vehicles. But those guys are professionals and they make a ton of money. Um, the average uh, investor, uh, professional investor, probably makes well in excess of a million dollars, probably single digit, but two to five million dollars. And plenty of them make billions. And they're investing other people's money, so they they actually care because it's other people's money, and if they do a poor job, they're going to lose their job. As that uh, business evolved into something that was worth you know tens of billions and trillions of dollars, um, and they realized they couldn't f cover you know twelve thousand stocks and understand what they all did, they, and they're called the buy side. They buy stocks. Um, mm -hmm. There was a group that was formed called the sell side, and that's me. And we advise the buy side, the investors, and we help them better understand the stocks that they're looking at buying or selling. 
and our job is to follow companies. And again, we can't cover 12,000 companies. So we, the average analyst covers about 15. I cover currently 24 and I've got about, and I literally just gave up for it. I'm, I'm about to pick up another six. So I'll have 30, which is unusual for a, for a sell side analyst. And by, by cover, it means that I keep really detailed models on what they've earned in the past. And I, I, create forecasts for what they're going to earn in the future. And in order to, to say Activision is going to make that dollar twenty instead of a dollar, I have to know how many copies of Call of Duty they're going to sell. I have to forecast how well Diablo Immortal is going to do. I have to understand if Call of Duty Mobile and Call of Duty Warzone are going to uh, cannibalize sales of Call of Duty, the $60 game. And so my model's pretty detailed and adds all those things up and tries to figure out what they're going to do. Um, I have to forecast king advertising. I have to forecast esports. You know, so I have to look at every aspect of Activision's business, and I'm pretty good at it. Um, and I don't cover just video game stocks. There's only, you know, I think of my coverage maybe maybe half is game related, and then the rest mm-hmm. is is w- what I call digital entertainment. But I cover Netflix. I, mean, I cover. Uh, um, I cover overstock, which for for an odd reason, but I cover them. Um, but you know, I look at I look at uh, AMC theaters. You know, I cover those guys. I cover Cinemark. Um, I cover Amazon mostly because of the Amazon uh, putting the retailers out of business. I used to cover a lot of retailers, and they've all come in. I covered uh, Circuit City, Radio Shack. You know, may they rest in peace. Ultimate yeah, Electronics. Ouch. Uh, I covered Blockbuster, Hollywood Video, Movie Gallery. So you know, my my thesis was. I'm going to watch how entertainment flows, and I'm going to cover the winners and losers, and I, with the emphasis on losers. So, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I wasn't early predicting Blockbuster going away. I was the first sell on Radio Shack. It was clear they were going away. Um, so we have buy and sell ratings, and I don't think anybody actually listens to what we say about what to do with the stock because these guys are professionals. They, they don't get paid to take my advice. They get paid to make decisions and to be right. Um, but... If you have, you know, 25 or 30 analysts covering Activision, then, you know, some are going to have a buy, some are going to have a hold, some are going to have a sell, and they're all going to have different perspectives. And if you're trying to figure out if you want to buy it or sell it, you know, in the 90s, it's at $93 or something, then you want to talk to, you know, two or three or four of them and figure out if you can get the whole picture put together. And as I said, I'm really good at it. Um, I have been the number one... uh, analyst in the country in earnings accuracy, which is the only thing I actually care about, um, three times in the last 20 years. And that's out of a couple thousand analysts. Um, and, that, and so that's like, you know, essentially that's like winning the Academy Award. Um, <laughs> and I've been top five, like six times, you know, so, so I'm good at it. I'm really good at it. And um, so, you know, am I right at predicting that Nintendo is going to do, you know, a Wii 2. No, I'm terrible at that. Who cares? I never had it in my model. You know, I didn't ever say this is coming out next year and they're going to sell 20 million units. I just said I thought they would do a Wii a Wii 2 and they never did. Or Wii HD. Sorry, it's a Wii HD. Um, but but who cares? You know, I, that's fun. And as you guys know cuz you talk about games, um the gaming press is pretty shallow and they don't really know anything about anything. Um, their claim to fame is that they like to play games. 
and like to talk about the games they play and yep. to a person they don't understand the business so i used to be in high demand when gaming sites were professionally run and you know there were like regular postings and and then the world kind of evolved into like what we're doing now into podcasts and mm -hmm. randos on on youtube and and hey that's us yeah exactly we ruined it <laughs> Yeah. Well, no, it's okay. I mean, it, it, you know, you evolve, you evolve with the audience and the audience wants yeah. more real-time information and less, you know, by appointment, let's read this guy, you know, so, so the, the Dean Takahashi's of the world have become less important and, you know, the, the podcasters have become more important. So I, you know, it, it's pretty much like I used to probably talk to the gaming press two to three times a day. And I now talk to them two or three times a week. So I'm not as uh, popular among young gamers as I used to be, nor do I actually give a damn. It's like, I don't get paid for that. Um, it doesn't seem that important. Hey, you're yeah. popular among old gamers like me. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I'm criticized uh, a lot by people who just don't know anything about anything for always being wrong. And it's like, Jesus Christ, if I was always wrong, I wouldn't you know, be in my 21st year doing this job. <laughs> um, and, and again, I don't want to like be, be too much that guy, but uh, you know, I make a multiple of what any of these clowns who criticize me, you know, make. So shut the fuck up. Like I, I, you know, I don't need, I just, it cracks me up that, Oh, you should lose your job. Cause you were wrong on a stock. Jesus Christ. If I was wrong all the time, I wouldn't have a job. And the cool thing about the stock market is that every single time a share of stock exchanges hands, one person thinks it's going to go up, so he's buying it, and one person thinks it's going to go down, so he's selling it. And that's just a fact. And over time, the market always goes up because you know the market essentially borrows money at low interest rates and then reinvests it, and they have to earn higher interest rates, the businesses. Um, who, who invest, because if they couldn't earn more than the interest rate, they go bankrupt. So the bad ones disappear, the good ones thrive. And so they, they're going to earn more than than bonds, and bonds have a positive return. So the market's always going to go up. So, you know, who cares if I say the stock's going to go down and it goes up? Like, nobody lost their home relying on my advice. But they do care if I say Activision's going to earn $1.20, and the average estimate is a dollar, and then Activision prints 75 cents. Then they're mad. That doesn't happen right. very often. I, I literally can count on the fingers of one hand how many times I've been that wrong in, in 20 years. Literally, That's, it's probably twice or three times. So I'll, still, I can like, yeah, I'll tough it yeah. out. It's like yelling at the weatherman at a certain point. It's you know what I mean. Like it's just, just doing his job, trying to trying to do the best you can. And you know if a tornado comes and wipes out your picnic, then uh, yeah, that's a problem. But otherwise, like oh no, it's it's a little overcast, or you know it's it's five right. degrees cooler. It's like oh, you should lose your job. This isn't the thing. Is this isn't a science? You actually do have to understand the underlying businesses, and there's disconnects. You know there there are people who. Um, who think things are going to happen like Grand Theft Auto 6 is coming every year and has been since 2014 and <laughs> no and, and you know and or you know not my my famous joke because they're not public is Half-Life is coming you know or Elder Scrolls is coming um, but you know like I know the Rockstar guys and I'm confident I'm the only analyst covering Take-Two who's ever met Sam Hauser 
And not that Sam is my best friend or anything, but he definitely knows me and would definitely say hi to me if he saw me on the street. Um, you know, so I know they're not working on that. Or they're working on it. They're not close to putting that out. But, man, you know, I have a competitor at a big firm, very highly paid guy, who had, had it in his model for 2017, and then he skipped 18 because of Red Dead. Then 2019, 2020, 21, 22, 22. He just moved it to 2024 today. <laughs> it's, it's like he really wants it or something. <laughs> you bring up two things, though, uh, both involving resentment. Number one is resentment about the gaming media because... Like you said, it's it's people just want reactions now, I think, or at least most people do. Um, there seems to be a, a massive lack of real journalism and real professionalism um, as as gaming goes. Um, and, and, and the other thing is that um, it's interesting you talk about following stocks for certain companies. I would like to know more about... You know, like what EA is doing, uh, what kind of resentment is building around EA because they're just taking advantage of licenses. You had the Star Wars debacle a few years ago. And does that matter in the grand scheme of things, do you think? Or is that another one of those, like, it's such a small vocal minority that it just doesn't matter? Um, The advent of social media has made it more relevant and more meaningful. Uh, criticism and where you know 25 years ago if you know if a company made a bad game what would you do you know write a letter to the ceo i mean maybe send them an email like nobody just do in your basement yeah right and nobody would know right and i'd say you know i i hate to compare it to to uh to white nationalism, but it's the same thing. The reason white nationalism has kind of come out of the closet is that it used to be just a bunch of angry people sitting in their basement stewing to themselves, and now they get on 8chan and stew you know, with one another, and that turns into the January 6th riot, you know, so um, insurrection. Um, you know, so I think social media has empowered people. And so, you know, when someone used to stew in their basement and say Packer just predicted, you know, we HD and he's an idiot who saw it now they post it on Twitter and it gets retweeted a hundred times. And, you know, and it, it, I have to tell you the truth. It doesn't hurt me at all. And I'm just like, fuck them. I don't care. But <laughs> you know, the, the criticisms get amplified because of the power of social media um, it's the same number of whiny little shits that are complaining about this stuff. And when the whiny little shits become something approaching a meaningful minority, um, like complaining about microtransactions in Star Wars or something, that's legit. You know, if it's if it's 10 or 20% of the people who bought the game who feel cheated because they had to pay to unlock Darth Vader or something as a playable character. I get that. Like that's, that's sure. completely legit. And you normally get that. Um, I God, what was the game? Take two had a game four player. You, you uh, hunted dinosaurs and it was from turtle rock. God, what was the name of that stupid game? But I can't remember the game, but it had, it had in-game monetization like the first day and they, they were asking you to pay for stuff that you thought should be in the game. And the game just got destroyed. Like all reviews were terrible and everybody got down on them and they eliminated it. I forgot what it's called. It was four people teamed together against like a dinosaur. Do you remember that game? It was not that long ago, maybe 10 years ago. Anyway, it'll come to me. But yeah, I think that the whiny little bastards get to management 
occasionally. Um, but the stuff like last week, like the Battlefield trailer didn't dump, didn't drop when promised. Mm. So Andy McNamara is a shithead and everybody hates him. That's stupid. Like that's stupid. You, yeah, you're not entitled to a to a Battlefield trailer. Who cares? Evolve. I think that goes down. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say that the. I think that goes down a different path though, where uh, you get you really do need to be a certain personality type to whine about something like that. I think, you know, because I, like, I used to work at a, a big box retailer customer service over the phone. This was like 15 years ago. And I'm thinking like, who calls, who who spends this much time on the phone just to get a $10 gift card for like, because they bought the wrong cable and the store won't accept the return. It's like, who's, who wastes all this time just to get a, a, a you know, the, the peace of mind that they're, it's just, you got to be a certain personality type, I think. And, and just to tell you who I am, two years ago, I had DirecTV come to my house um, and replace a bunch of my boxes. And we realized we had one room that nobody ever turned the TV on. So I, I turned the box, and one of our boxes broken. So we took the box out of that room. He took one of our boxes, and we took the old box, put on another TV. I For two years, I've been paying an extra seven ninety nine a month for that box. And, you know, so it's, uh, what, so it's that, $84 a year. So $168 later. And Dang. I do, okay. yeah, I know, but I look <laughs> at it, and I'm like, it's this is two hours on the phone. To save yeah. eight bucks, I just I just can't bring myself to do it. So I'm exactly Sometimes the opposite of what more, you said. Yeah. yeah, and it's terrible. I'm being <laughs> ripped off, and I know by the time I complain, they probably would give me a several month credit. But I'm like, damn, you know, it's just God. Anyway, so I'm not that guy. <laughs> I don't I don't complain about small <laughs> The reason I yelled "evolve" out of nowhere earlier is because I think that's the name of the game you were trying to. Oh, think. Yeah, yeah, evolve. That was it. Yeah, that was the game. So you remember that game, though? It was actually a pretty good game. I mean, it was kind of like Left 4 Dead against dinosaurs. It was, it was kind of cool and kind of fun. But the first day, they had microtransactions that required you to, if you didn't spend money, you couldn't do the stuff in the game. And people were just going apeshit. That was, you know, I don't know how many units. It sold probably 3 million. But, but a million people complained about that the first day. Like, okay, that's legit. That's not one whiner on social media getting amplified. That was a legitimate complaint. And that's the kind of stuff that the game company should pay attention to. And I think they do pay attention to. So, the you know, but the knock on EA that, oh, I don't like their business model. They're heavily licensed. Like, what the hell? What's that mean? Like, you know, I don't want to buy, um, I don't want to watch a, a certain movie studio's movies because they don't have enough original scripts. They buy their scripts. Like, who cares where the content comes from? If you like I think NFL, with that, it... Yeah, it it goes back to when uh, the NES was cranking out stuff like Back to the Future, you know, throw a movie title on a game and then just have him have Marty McFly running around collecting clocks like what? What does that have to do with the movie? It's an awful game. So and when it comes to some of the Star Wars stuff, I think that's where some people not me. I, I haven't ever played the game personally, but that's some of the criticism I see is like the license gives them carte blanche to just throw together whatever they feel like throwing together. So you, you, it's like, yeah, if you don't like Star Wars, get out of the way. Who cares about you? But if you do like Star Wars, oh, yeah, you got to pay this to get this character. You, you got more of the same from the last game, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's what the criticism is mostly getting at. No, and I, I appreciate that. And and again, not all you know movie IP lends itself to video games. It just... It, sure. Just um, part of the problem, I think, with with games like Star Wars as well is that, you know, the Empire 
ever wins because the Imperial troopers are, are better shots. Like that's not, <laughs> you know, so the point is if you're playing the game, you know, sure. The death star can take you down, but, but if it's you with your laser lightsaber against, you know, a hundred Imperial troopers, you're going to kick their ass. So the game it's <laughs> by definition, just the way the universe is, has, has been constructed. It's never going to make a very good video game. And, sure. so the, the ones that, and, and so the ones that do well are the ones where the the game makers get to make up their own rules, which is kind of what that's uh, what was the last EA Jedi Fallen Order. That's kind of what that was that mm-hmm. they got to create their own world. It was in the Star Wars universe, but they got to create new characters and kind of come up with different storyline, a different way to play, and it got good reviews and did really well. And that's the magic of of really good developers they they can take something and you know same like with batman arkham asylum you know it wasn't just batman always beats up the bad guys it, they twisted yeah. it they made it a better game and i hate fighting games and i love that game and i think if you let the developers deviate from you know the rule set um in the in the film universe then i think they can do something but sometimes they're not allowed to like there was a game from Activision mm. in 2002 or three, Minority Report, and I remember when they were making the game, they had the Tom Cruise likeness, and he didn't like the royalty he was getting paid, so he withdrew his permission to use his likeness, and they had to change the character to a blonde guy instead of a brunette because it wasn't even allowed to look like Tom Cruise. <laughs> you know, and it's like, it, and instantly the game was terrible. And I don't, not that the movie was very good, and not that Tom Cruise is that compelling a video game character, but that's the kind of crap that developers have to deal with, licensed properties. You know, who's telling Respawn what to do with Apex? You know, who's telling mm-hmm. Blizzard what to do with Overwatch? Nobody. That's why original IP is so much easier to work with because you can make up your own rules. And as you know, uh, if you play mobile games, you know this for sure. If you play Warcraft, World of Warcraft, you know this. Um, they rebalance the characters all the time. Yeah, and so it's got to keep those those ecosystems alive and well for for years to come. So I want to I want to talk a little bit about um, the content that people can get from you online. And I first came across you on game trailers, you know, years ago. And I remember thinking, like, how different and insightful Pack Attack was, as it was known at the time, Pack Attack. And just hearing someone talk about the business side of the industry, it's just not something you found anywhere else. And even still, you don't really find it. And how? I just wanted to, like, how that came about. Was it your idea to, to do this? Did someone say, hey, you have a lot of you know, really good information. You should sit in front of a camera and answer questions from people. Like, how did that all come about? Like everything else, it was uh, a series of unfortunate events. Um so I, <laughs> I uh, was born in Hollywood and live in Long Beach now, but born and raised in L.A. And uh, Jeff Keeley went to USC. He's from Toronto, uh, but also in L.A. And Jeff and I became friendly when Jeff was like 22 and he's 41 or something right now. Um, and you know, he was just one of those annoying little game reporters that was in my face and asking questions all the time. <laughs> and so Jeff leveraged his, uh, his early journal- journalism career into hosting the bonus round on game trailers. And because Jeff was located in L.A. and I'm, I'm in L.A., I was, a, I was a guest on the first episode and a relatively frequent guest, as in, you know, I think they taped uh, 
probably taped once a month and did like one four weekly episodes or something that's what we normally did um so there were you know i was probably on three times a year so i'd be on you know uh one quarter of their episodes and it's just because i was in la and i was available and back then you know no zoom no discord we had to do stuff live um and they just i guess i got good feedback from the people who wrote letters saying keep this guy coming um and so the game trailers uh producers jeremy hoffman who is now at epic and Rohan Rivas, who is now at Epic, Daniel Kaiser, who's now at Epic, they all kind of moved to North Carolina together. Um, they came up with the idea of having me do my own show, but they wanted it to be scripted. And I did uh, maybe 10 minutes of one episode and I tossed the script and said, this is stupid. I'm not doing this. And so they said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, just have people ask questions and I'll answer them. And because um, I know what I know, questions i got tended to be more business oriented and if you know somebody if somebody said to me you know what do you think like what do you think about ea charging for microtransactions in star wars my answer is still going to be a business answer you know here's why they do it here's what it means whatever and so that just turned into factor factor and again because i was in la it was easy for them to do i had my own show they would come to my office and tape it after the first couple episodes and now they come to my house and tape, uh, I said Pack Factor, that was Pack Attack. Now mm -hmm. they tape Pack Factor. The only reason we changed the name is that um, Game Trailers was sold and the it was it's now owned by IGN, but prior to IGN, the owner in between told us we couldn't use the name. We asked them if we could use Pack Attack and they said no. Yeah. So we're like, what a great enjoy. Like, what, what the fuck are they going to do with that? So Pack Factor. <laughs> it's good your name rhymes with... Uh attack and factor it just kind of worked out i guess but yeah there you go. <laughs> what are they gonna have like a green bay packers show or something like what are they gonna do with the name that's ridiculous yeah i probably took a year oh yeah i'm sure they could i probably took a year and a half off but um yeah i've been doing them since oh seven so uh, 14 years and i probably took a year and a half off so probably 12 and so now you're associated with uh sifted.net uh net. uh what yeah who who are these guys? That's Shane. Shane Shane was the head of all uh, video production at Game Trailers, so he was the boss of the boss. So Jeremy and Rohan worked for Shane, um, and so Shane decided to do his own thing. And please, uh, please, at least if, if you watch my stuff, link your Twitch Prime account to your Amazon Prime account, so Shane gets <laughs> two fifty a month. Uh, but it doesn't cost you anything. It costs you nothing. Um, your Amazon Prime account will pay it. I've been binging so many Pactor Factors, I can almost say that line in my sleep now. Yeah, I just wanted to, to give that shout out there because uh, that is how you can find Pactor Factor on, on YouTube. And I was trying to segue from that, kind of going like back through the history, getting up to now where, where Pactor Factor is. And on that show, you are sitting in front of a camera, uh, recently disheveled. You got a haircut lately? That's good. I, I'm, I'm still disheveled. I haven't, I haven't gone out for my haircut yet. But uh, you're, you're answering questions. They come in from Twitter, Patreon, YouTube. And I don't think that, I mean, you, we talked a little bit already about some of the business stuff. You, you, you went in depth about microtransactions and EA and that kind of thing. And I just want people to know, like, that's the kind of stuff that they can get from you on Pactor Factor. They can go there. You're, you're going to be answering a question and you do a really excellent job of explaining it in a way that is uh, understandable and relatable to you know, gamers and just people that 
aren't business savvy like me. There's a lot of words there that I'm I'm like, what what was that? But you, you do a really good job of explaining it. You use you know whole basic numbers, which is nice. You can do math right there on the fly. So that's just I just want people to know that that's the kind of stuff that um, that you're good at and you're good at explaining. Um, I know like a lot of people are, are always asking you things like, uh, how is Game Pass possible and why doesn't Sony do Game Pass? And you're able to give a good five to seven minute digestible answer and you'll know everything you need to know about why that why that is a thing. Well, thank you very much. I uh, I said this before you started taping. I'm not particularly enlightening, but I'm always entertaining. And uh, my claim to fame is that, to be honest, most investors I talk to don't know very much about these companies. Um, I mean, it's, I say most. I don't mean 99%, but more than half, easily. And so I find that at least you know 60% of my conversations, I kind of have to explain stuff just like I would explain it to a gamer. And, and they're not dumb about finance. I mean, they get the numbers, but they don't understand you know, why they should own Activision. They don't get it. And you know, so I, uh, asked, I had somebody ask me literally today, um, how does Take-Two's lineup this year compare to Take-Two's lineup last year? And I'm like... I don't know if take two told us they'd have to kill us you know we don't know they <laughs> um, seriously and i'm like they're releasing 10 mobile games this year 10 mobile games um they literally have like four they do no revenue from them. they do like a couple hundred million dollars play dots is their biggest and yet they're going to release 10 more and you know they're not going to be you know that's not a billion dollars they're not going to do 100 million each and it's still a secret what they're called like why well, because if someone hears that Take Two is going to put out a bubble popper or a match three game, they're going to shake in their boots and commit suicide. Like, no, I don't get it. You know, so <laughs> so I have to explain to investors why Take Two never tells you anything about anything. And then they said, how does that compare to Activision? I go, oh, well, I know that Diablo Immortals coming this year. I know that uh, Crash Bandicoot Mobile's coming. I know that. Uh, Diablo 4 is, is next year or the year after. Overwatch 2 is next year or the year after. You know, I can lay out the whole schedule. Like, I know exactly what they're doing. Same with EA. Same with Ubisoft. I mean, Ubisoft, at least, they don't ever deliver on time, but they promise. Uh, but you at least know what they're working on. And, you know, so explaining that to investors is no different than explaining it to you guys. I don't suffer morons very well, but, I, but I'm fine with intelligent people. <laughs> Well, that, you know, and that's that's an interesting thing to me, because when you do, uh, you know, you, depending on what the question is, there's a lot of in-depth, um, you know, fi- not not jargon necessarily, but there are a lot of numbers associated with that. And I'm always curious, do you screen the question? And maybe this is too inside baseball. Maybe this is your secret sauce. And, and I'm giving away David Copperfield secrets here. But do you screen the question beforehand and read up and be like, OK, this is what this company's been doing? Or is this just do not, you do this day to day? On the fly. In fact, on the uh, fly. OK, since since COVID, since I haven't had Shane come here, we've done it over Zoom. He literally emails me a word file or a PDF of the questions one or two minutes before we start shooting and I hit the print button and I'm holding them in my hands and reading them for the first time. So no, um, I don't read wow. any, I, when I'm reading them out loud, it's the first time I've ever read them. I don't even read them before I read them out loud. Don't care. I mean, this is my job. So I talk to investors all day long. The guy who said to me, how does take two's lineup compared to last year's and how's it compared to Activision? I didn't know he was going to ask that till he asked it. I don't have 10 minutes to say, wait a minute, let me go look that up. 
So now if he said, what date did the last Mafia game come out? I'd have to look it up. <laughs> like I know it was I know it was fall of, of 16. But I couldn't tell it's you what impressive. date. And when I looked it up, he did ask me that, by the way. That's why I said it. When I did look <laughs> it up, I saw it was like October 4th, 2016 or something. And I was like, oh, that's right. It came out in October. You know, take two reports, calendar quarter. So they reported the September quarter, which means the game wasn't in that quarter. It came out a week later. And yet when they reported the September quarter, it you know, around Halloween that year, they there was so much bad press about that game, which got a 68 Metacritic that they felt compelled to tell us that it sold four and a half million units. And and it wasn't the period it wasn't out in the period they were reporting. But they wanted to make sure everybody knew that they stuffed the channel with four and a half million units. So I remember that vividly, you know, and when he asked me it came back. Um, but that's kind of the tricks that these guys do. And by the way, they've never mentioned that game again. If they ever mention uh Mafia three, they will say it sold four and a half million units today. It hasn't sold another unit since because that's how many <laughs> they shipped to retail and they're they're probably still sitting there. Anyway. Um, I get paid to know that stuff. See, that's what I'm talking about, because I was fact checking you as you talked. It did get a sixty eight on Metacritic Metacritic. It came out on October seventh. So like you've got numbers kicking around in that brain of yours, man. Yeah, my wife and all her friends call me Rain Man and they're not kidding. I, I am I am actually that guy. <laughs> that explains it a lot because I'm like either he's he maybe he's either Rain Man or he's very prepared. So I guess it's Rain, Rain Man is the answer. So that's interesting. Yeah, I never, I never forget anything. And when I say that, I mean sure, October seventh versus October fourth. But I never forget anything. Like I, it's, it's rare that I'm off by a lot on on a number from the past. And well, as in, the, I wanted to ask as part of understanding these things, the ins and outs of the business side, knowing the Metacritic scores, knowing what things are going to do, what a sequel might do. Is a lot of this actually you hands-on playing these games and taking in these experiences too? So you could be like, this is not a good game. This is this game has no, this going for it and that. No, I'm I'm definitely not that arrogant. Um, no, my tastes aren't the same as the masses. And so um, just to use movies because it's easier, um, I saw The English Patient, which I think either won the Academy Award or definitely nominated, and I didn't get it. I could not understand why anybody liked that movie. I saw <laughs> Titanic, and I was just like, I don't get it. The ship goes down at the end. I hope I didn't ruin it for you. Um, the ship goes down, and, and everybody dies. Like, what? what's the point of this movie? So I'm not really a great judge of, of what people are going to like or not like. And I can't say that, like, any of my favorite games you know, got 68 Metacritic. So, so my favorite games all got 80 plus but they didn't all get 95 and i'll play grand theft auto and like it's really good and i know it's really good i just don't like it like i freaking hate driving with a game controller i hate it i it's just like especially like on a motorcycle i can't do it i cannot drive a motorcycle in a straight line with a game controller i just cannot ever figure that out um so i can do it on a pc but not not with a game controller so I just freaking hate GTA, and there's missions I can't do, you know, or I just suck at. Um, and, you know, uh, I played um, Super Mario Galaxy, and I, there was one, there was one uh, level where you were, like, on a checkerboard, and the, the squares were, like, disappearing under your feet, right. and you had to hop and hop and hop. I couldn't get through it. I just, it was, like, the only thing in the game I couldn't do. I actually had to go and find a cheat code to get past that level, because <laughs> I couldn't do it. And I just... 
I tried like a thousand times. I couldn't do it. I'm like, I just freaking hate this level. And I went, I found a cheat code and I got through the level. You know, it turned all the holes into into steps or something. Good to hear you didn't rage quit and then immediately tell everybody no, to no, no. sell I, all you know, Nintendo I, stock. I completed, <laughs> I completed everything in that game except I think there were three green stars you had to find and I only found two. And I had to go online and find out where the third one was because it was driving me crazy. And it was in a rock that, that you would otherwise not have had to break. And I was like, oh, Jesus, that's stupid. But I found, you know, then I went back and got it. I, I'm, I'm a completionist when I play a game. Yeah. You know, but, but no, I probably literally play <laughs> one or two games a year to, all the way through. And I probably try three to five more. So no, I not at all. I have not played Madden football since uh, Madden 05. Not once. Uh, Ray um, Lewis on the cover of that one. I, I remember that one well. That speaking of people one. remembering things, Alex can remember every sports cover. Is that right? Was that Ray Lewis? That was Ray That's Lewis. Hilarious. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I probably you know, I, 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 I have, uh, I've kept a few games because I think they're going to be collectors' items. So I have like the Sammy Sosa, uh, whatever the 3DO baseball game was called. I have that one. And Ooh. Yeah, I've got the Sammy Sosa cover and I've got the Kurt Schilling cover. It's, you know, he, he's just a nut. Um, so I kept, I keep some games. I think I have a Red Dead Redemption, the first one, the, the Red Dead Redemption, yeah. The original, original uh, in, in shrink wrap. I have never opened it. Well, there so. you go. Nice. So you, you don't let uh, your own personal experiences with games influence anything, and that's that's obviously a good thing. No, like I don't get Final Fantasy, I, and I never will. Like I've tried that game, I just do not understand why anybody likes that game. But I don't mean that I play it and I think it's bad. I play it and I think it's weird, and I just don't get yeah. it. So yeah. it's like okay, if somebody likes this, that's cool. But I played Katamari Damacy. My God, I love that game. Oh, it's one of my all-time favorites, yeah. You could say that they're similar because they both have really funky art style and shit's <laughs> going on, but, you know, no. I mean, well, no, so I don't, my, my, my opinion on games says... I was going to ask, like, what, do, do names have any influence over, uh, th- like, say somebody like Hideo Kojima, like, oh, we know this game is coming from this guy. We don't know... Yeah, I get that. We, we don't know what the game is going to be. It, it could be anything. Turns out it ends up being Death Stranding. Mm-hmm. What what sort of influence does that have over you know? It's the same as in movies. It's it's yeah. like you want to see the next Christopher Nolan movie or yeah. the next that's cool. You know, Scorsese movie. Like you know, if Christopher Nolan's making a movie, and I didn't think Tenet was great, but it was really good, and I get it. I get why people liked it. Um, you know, and that, that's how I feel. Like I I didn't I played Death Stranding. I did not finish it. Uh, it was weird, but it was but pretty art style, interesting game. You know, I, I interesting concept. Metal Gear Solid guy, love that game. Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting then that that names do have uh, influence yeah, totally. beyond just just the fans. That's cool. Yeah. And I would play anything Vince Ampella makes. I would play anything Rod Ferguson touches. Like that guy is the the best unknown uh, executive producer in the business. Rod Ferguson. I mean, the idea that he worked on Gears, then Bioshock infinite then gears again and now diablo trust me the next diablo game is going to be the best by a lot i mean that's, he's, just, he's a stud that's a heck of a resume right there yeah yeah he just jumped over there last year too i think right to blizzard yeah he got there i want to say january february of uh 20 i wanted to ask this because I, I know 
we've, we've touched on it some, but I mean, obviously a lot of what you do is making forecast predictions and the nature of that means right sometimes, wrong sometimes, yada, yada. What are some of the predictions or forecasts kind of things that you've made no one else had on their radar, but you nailed it? Do any stick out where even you're like, damn, I'm good? Oh, God, uh, that's a great question. Um, the reason I said half half the people think a stock's going to go up and half go down is just that you're always wrong to half of them, whichever side you take. Half <laughs> right. the people agree. Um, God, sure there are many. I wish I could come up with one quickly. It's it's not it, like I'm right a lot, but it's not. I'm almost never the only person who gets it. Um, right. I mean, I have more failures that I could point to. Let me think of something where I really got something right. Yeah, I can't remember one where I was the only person who saw it. I mean, it's it's rare that there's the you know a company that goes from fifty cents to a hundred bucks and you you nailed it. I mean, right. I could see you know like again, I I, I Pretty close to bottom ticked Amazon, um, and upgraded it at like two hundred. But you know, it went from seventeen to two hundred before I before I loved it, um, and that was because they got out of the Firephone business, and it was clear to me that they were getting serious about making money. So I upgraded just on that, and they've done everything right since. Been wrong on Netflix for nine years, and I think they're gonna they're gonna etch on my tombstone. He was right about Netflix as long as I don't die in the next couple of years. Um, <laughs> but I but I've been saying it's 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 not a fraud. It's just overvalued. Um, now I can't actually come up with anything where I was the only one. I've been right on a lot of stuff, but not not where I was the only person who saw it. Usually, stocks I cover have twenty or thirty analysts. There's always you know at least. Or twenty percent who agree with me. I guess that makes sense. I mean, that just shows that. I, I would think if you're the only one that was right a couple of times, that means you had a really high risk associated with that, and that, that maybe is not what you would want out of someone who does what you do. Is that fair to say? Yeah, and yes, and and I mean, look, it, it, my victories aren't getting the stock right; it's the why. And so uh, when I say, damn, I'm good, I mean, again, not that anybody in the world cares about this, but uh, uh, beginning in 2015, 14 or 15, Amazon started reporting a line item called third-party seller services. And and I'm sorry, uh, they, they did start reporting that, but they started reporting something called uh, subscriptions. And it, it included Audible and Kindle book subscriptions and Amazon Music and Amazon Prime. And I took that number and I took a rolling 12 month total and I gave it a 20% haircut for Audible and Kindle books and Amazon Music. And I assumed an average uh, Amazon Prime membership of 80 bucks because it's, it's like 50 in Mexico. And I calculated the number of Prime subscribers and I started putting it in my model. And Amazon had never given a number of Prime subscribers prior to my doing that. And my my uh, competitors are all over the place on what they thought were prime members, and the first time Amazon reported it, I was one million off, hmm. and the second time they reported it, I was exactly on the nose the number, and the third time they reported it, I was exactly on the nose on the number, and now they and they don't report it more than once a year, but um, now my idiot competitors have figured it out. But they <laughs> hadn't before, and I was like, and I was like, damn, I'm good, but the information was there. Take the, what I just told you is really a simple way to do it. And I figured out how to calculate the gross merchandise value of that stuff. 
and it made it easy for me to predict Amazon's profitability. And I've been nailing Amazon for six years. <laughs> so I have one last question here, and this will speak to a lot of our audience who are older retro gamers. A lot of us are... Uh, always poking around on eBay, but I, I know that you're more focused on the new stuff. You you have to be on the cutting edge of technology, what's coming, what's forecasted. You don't care so much about what happened 20, 30 years ago, but do you have some insights regarding, like, you know, the pandemic has hit, and for some reason, all of my favorite collectibles there in the video game sphere on eBay, it's up 20, 30, 40%, 50%. All of these prices are going up. I guess people are at home, they're bored. Um, they have, you know, their stimulus money that maybe they didn't really need because they didn't suffer a hit from their job. So they're spending that as, as extra pocket change and it's caused everything to go up. Um, can you speak to that at all? Is something like that destined to come back down and resettle or do we get used to the new norm of elevated collectible prices? Or is that just not something you've, you've ever really thought about? If you care about the intrinsic value of owning the actual physical cartridge or disc or whatever, then the collectibles are going to keep going up because they're they're not making any more of them and, and there's more demand. If you just care about playing the game, uh, the easy solution, and you know we're we're on the very we're in the first inning of this, is the remastered editions of old games. And what's kind of shocking to me is that Game Pass and PlayStation Now don't really have catalog titles. Like they, I'm sure there are some, but I don't think you can play Bust a Move, you know, from PS One on on uh, what Sony service called PS Now. I don't think they offer it. Maybe they do, but I don't think so. And you know, if, and if Nintendo wasn't run by a bunch of doofuses, adults, you know, I actually love Bowser, um, and the new CEO is actually pretty good. But it, Nintendo's just really set in their ways. But my God, can you imagine if Nintendo offered a Game Pass type service? It was every Nintendo game ever made. You know, oh my goodness! Up to, be up, let's be say amazing. let's say through the Wii U, and they don't make it. No Switch games. You know, so let's protect the current market. Let's have Nintendo Game Pass playable on Switch. Every NES, SNES, you know, uh, uh, N64. I can't remember what came after that. GameCube, uh, Wii, Wii U game, and all the Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, you know, all that stuff. It, it, my God, how much would you pay for that? Like, not only that, but you could sell different controllers. Yeah, if Microsoft's you know, got twenty million Game Pass subscribers. Mm -hmm. Nintendo would have 50 million people paying them for old shit, and it would be easy to do. They own all that. Um, and I don't, so so the answer to your, your collectible question is that's going to happen because it just makes too much sense. Might take 10 more years before they realize they have to do it, to, before they get shamed into doing it, but they're going to do it. Um, and if they don't do it, Disney will figure out that the library has some value. The reason Star Wars is a thing again is Disney looked at that asset and said, Lucas isn't doing the right thing with it. He made uh, three movies between 77 and whatever it was, 83. And then he waited 10 years and he made three movies between whatever, 97 and, and 2000. And then he hasn't done anything since. Let's buy it. What do you know? Next thing, there's the Star Wars movie every year. And there's so far, um, you know, a couple of Star Wars shows on Disney Plus and there'll be 10 more. They're just exploiting the shit out of the IP. So if Disney bought Nintendo, trust me, there would be a Game Pass with NES and Super NES on it, and that would be fun. Yeah, I would play Mar I would sure. play the original Mario. You know, I played the original Donkey Kong arcade game. My God, you, they own that. 
Heck yeah. Is that yeah. even available on a console? I don't think it is. But how fun was that game? Why can't you put that on the on the Switch? Of course you could. Yeah. Yeah, yeah very obviously could. Yeah. It's it's a simple enough game. But yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's just it's just really frustrating because, you know, a game like Earthbound, for example, is available on the SNES Classic. It's available uh or it was available on the on the Wii store back in the day. It's been available digitally for for a long time in a number of different formats. The cartridge still goes for like 200 and some dollars because now it's seen as a status symbol. Right. So and that's like I said, that's like collecting albums as opposed to just go to Spotify and listen to the same song. Right. I get yeah. why people want the album and it's cool. That's for the intrinsic value of the physical item as opposed to just wanting to listen to music. Yep. Pretty much. That's me. I mean, I, I am a, a hoarder in some regard, but uh, it's also the hunt. All of that's fun. <laughs> Collecting is a game in and of itself, but these gosh darn pandemic prices are, oh man, they're really getting to me. But uh, but you're right. Maybe if Should I break my comic saved. books out of the garage, I've got, uh, I've got a, I probably have 400. Uh, unfortunately, I, I chose DC over Marvel. I probably have 400 DC comics that are dated 1964 and earlier. Think they're worth anything? Dang. They could be. There you go. You're, Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Especially right now. You should check right now. The, the, the eBay prices these days are just insane. Oh, for sure. I have Justice League like 1 through 12. For sure. Because I, I remember when I first heard about Justice League, I subscribed. Because I was like... 1960 something i was a little kid i was like my dad did it for me my dad was all over it but i i definitely have like all sorts of you know again it's like i have lois lane comics i have Superboy. you know i've got all this shit that nobody cares about well, somebody might it's uh, there's always somebody out there but uh i wish i had up- picked, if i had picked marvel i'd be i wouldn't be working i wouldn't be talking to you <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good point well, we won't take up any any more of your time here. We really appreciate you stopping by and, and giving us the scoop on what it is you do. And I gave you no answers to anything, so I didn't let you ask any tough questions. <laughs> I know. Well, I know your strategy now. I get it. No, it's it was very, very good. And, again, I just want people to know they go they can go to sifted.net or they can follow Sifted on YouTube and uh, get Pactor Factor, which is a great show. comes out weekly. It'll be a week late unless you're a Patreon, but you can check out... Uh, what people are asking, Pactor, and uh, get some get some answers. Impress your friends with all your new business knowledge. There you go. <laughs> thanks a lot, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for taking the time. We appreciate you. Of course. All right, guys. All right, everyone. That has been. Wow, did I just squeak? Because I'm 15. <laughs> Try that again. <clears throat> all right, everyone. <clears throat> All right, everyone, that's been another Drunk Friend Podcast. As always, you can reach out to us with questions or comments at drunkfriendpodcast at gmail.com. Extra points if you and a buddy come out with the same question related in the same day and we read it on the same show like Paul and Josh did. Actually, there's no points. We don't keep we don't keep score. We do love hearing from you, though, so please send us an email. We'll respond to read it here eventually. Please head over to polymedianetwork.com if you want to hear more podcasts from us or our crew. We have Tales of the Lesser Medium, PD's Power Hour, Polykill, Indie Quest, and that is it. And if you're not interested in sending an email, first of all, how dare you? And second of all, mm-hmm. well, it's really not that big of a deal. Just give us a rating and review on a podcast app of your choice, and that'll help us out. Yeah. You didn't say big time, and it threw me off. 
<laughs> Big time. Big time. You can find us all on social media. I'm at Trav Plays Games. Alex is, of course, at SNES Drunk. And you can follow Michael Pactor at Michael Pactor. And as always, the music you heard at the beginning and can, you can hear right now was composed by our friend Coolor. The track you hear is called Electric Star Bounce, and you can find a link to more of his music on the Buzzsprout podcast page. And shout out to the uh, in-transit Josh Leslie for our thirst-quenching logo. That's right. Get there safe, Josh. Be sure to catch us all on YouTube, and thanks for listening. And we hope you have a great rest of your day. Big time.